0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory at ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today.
1: Well, good morning, Calvary. Just want to let you know that you are amazing. Uh, this past week, You have just been so encouraging to so many people, especially to this pastor. Uh, Your comments last week after our Sunday services were just awesome. Your encouragement, your affirmation, your passion for missions just means so much. And then our missionaries. Uh, We had 12 missionaries here last week, as you know, and uh, all of them thanked me at least a dozen times each regarding. Your investment in them, your encouragement, praying for them, met so much. Most of them said to me, you don't know how important this week was for us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, today we're going to wrap up our mission summit, and I believe uh, we can, uh, we're going to learn and be challenged today. I, I find mission stats and quotes fascinating. I collect them, I put them in a file, and I like to glance at them so that I can be challenged. And I'm often intrigued by them, and again, challenged by them. And today I'm gonna share uh, some stats with you as well as a few quotes uh, that will help us understand what missions is all about. First of all today, uh, some sobering statistics. Uh, Listen to this one. Of the 7.3 billion people in the world, 1.6 billion have never heard one time the truth and hope of the gospel. Now, if we're not careful, those are just numbers. But put a face with 1.3 billion people who have never heard. And then with a the face comes a soul that has never heard. Uh, These stats come from the Joshua Project. Here's another one, and probably of all the uh, stats, this one surprises me uh, the most. Despite Christ's command to evangelize, 67% of all humans from AD 30 till now have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. 67% of the world population for the last 2,000 years. Never heard, never heard. In the last 40 years, over one billion people have died who have never heard of Jesus. And around 30 million people this year will perish without hearing the message of salvation. One billion people in the last 40 years And then 70,000-plus people die every day in the unreached world without Jesus. Oswald Smith says this, We talk of the second coming, but half the world has yet to hear of the first. Now, let's look at some encouraging stats, okay? And uh, as you know, we belong to uh, the group of churches called the Assemblies of God. Our former pastor, Doug Clay, is now our general superintendent of our churches. And uh, in the Assemblies of God, here are some incredible uh, results, some stats. Listen to this one. Every 29 seconds, one new believer somewhere in the world is added to the church. Every 29 seconds, somewhere around the world, in our Assemblies of God churches, a new believer is added right now. Isn't that cool? Every 63 minutes one new church somewhere in the world is started. (laughs) Some of you got a little nervous, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Every 43 minutes, one new minister somewhere in the world is enlisted. That's huge. The Assemblies of God is serving in 255 countries with over 67 million attendees. 95% of Assemblies of God attendees worship in a church outside of the United States. Amazing stats. Our friend Jan Hurst last week told us, our missionary friend, that uh, back in 1914 when this uh, ministry started, there were 300 believers. And today around the world, 67 million, because they had a passion, they understood their role As followers of Christ. Now, these stats, quite frankly, are the fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Before Jesus Christ left this earth, he had some final words to say. And before he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples and those who were there But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's awesome. Now, these stats are also made possible by the 156 missionaries and ministries that we partner with Calvary Church every every month, 12 of them who were with us this past week. Here is an amazing reality. It is a fact that man is the means by which God will accomplish his kingdom on the earth. Did you hear that? It is a fact that it is That man is the means by which God will accomplish his kingdom on this earth. That just blows me away. That it's God's plan to use everyday, ordinary people like me, like you, to share his good news. St. Augustine says this, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. Think about it. Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. God's divine plan is to use you and me. Some will pray, some will give, some will go. We're all involved in this partnership, and we will all share in the reward. We exist as a church, Calvary Church, for one primary purpose, so all can hear. It is possible that some and even some churches see missions as a department of the church and only a few select folks are called to do missions. Nowhere in scripture do we see missions ever identified as an optional program of the church. Just this week, someone said to me, that in their church, just most recently, the church leadership decided when printing new offering envelopes, they were going to take missions off of the offering envelope. Wow. A church leader asked me several uh, months ago. They said, you know what? We're, we planted this church. It's going well. We built a new sanctuary, we have a gymnasium, we have a snazzy uh, new cafe, but we're not growing. Well, what do you think? What do you think is the the problem? And I asked them, well, what are you doing for missions? What are you doing for the world? What are you doing outside the walls of your church? And they said, well, we have a cafe, (laughs) we have a gymnasium, we have a brand new sanctuary that smells good, that looks good, that's nice and clean. We're not doing anything for missions. And you're asking me why you're not growing? Wow. What's sad is that churches around the United States of America are ditching missions because it's just not as fun anymore as it used to be. It takes hard work to communicate the vision, to develop passion in the church. In fact, some churches, I've been told, I'm so glad that I can't relate, (laughs) That when they have a missions emphasis, the attendance drops. Thanks, Calvary, for being an exceptional church, for understanding that missions is the heartbeat of who we are. Amen. Amen. In fact, the Apostle Paul um, has a unique perspective on missions. Our text today is Romans chapter one, verses 14 through 16, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Paul says this, "'Both to the cultured and to the uncultured, "'both to the wise and the foolish, "'I have an obligation to to discharge "'and a duty to perform and a debt to pay. "'So for my part, I am willing and eagerly ready "'to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. "'For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ,' For it is God's power working unto salvation to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This language here, I believe, is so profound in what Paul is sharing uh, with us. Paul is saying that he owes a debt to every lost person on the face of the earth. The way he sees it, because he is owned by Christ, he owes Christ to the world. I think it's humbling to think about this, to note that the world's greatest theologian and apologist, an amazingly gifted man like the Apostle Paul, never got over the fact that the Son of God gave his life for him so that he could experience the forgiveness of his sins and to have his eternity secured Paul's attitude was something like this if i am the only one who senses this indebtedness that changes nothing i am still indebted and as long as there is one person left on earth to whom the invitation to eternal life has not been issued then i am not a free Man, I will remain a bondservant of Christ until the last sheep has been brought into the fold. Now, I read this passage, and I begin to understand Paul's perspective, and I have to confess I have a not a very nice pastoral response to Paul because my, my initial response is, well, yeah, Paul, you should feel that way. You should owe a debt. To the world, you were a bad man. I mean, a bad, bad man. A terrorist to the early church, dragging Christians out of their homes and throwing them into jail. But then I'm challenged. Is it possible that the American Christian who is pursuing the American dream be challenged by Paul's perspective? That's our question today. I think we should. And if Paul doesn't challenge us, then again, what about the final words of Jesus Christ? You know, they say that you should pay attention to someone's dying words, to those final words. And and, uh, you know, before Christ left this earth, we are so aware of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And we're so aware of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, where Jesus said, Go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So when any of us begin to realize, when we grasp the fact that Jesus Christ, as well has paid an infinite debt for my salvation and has secured eternal life for me, has washed away over and over and over again all of my sins, then shouldn't there be millions of Apostle Pauls roaming the earth looking for one more person to tell about the gospel of the grace of God? I think there should be. What does it say about our understanding of the gift of God that so many of us feel no indebtedness, no obligation to Christ at all? There was no beginning and ending points on the scale of who Paul was going to reach. But I know, I know what you're thinking, because I've been there, I've been... But I'm not called to be a missionary like these guys who were here this week. Paul's perspective should become the characteristic of our Christian life. As devoted followers of Jesus Christ, the Great Commission is not designed for those who are called to go to Africa, Europe, and Asia. The Great Commission is all of our responsibility. Missions is not just something we do, it is our identity, both as a church and as followers of Jesus Christ. Every saved person, this side of heaven, owes the gospel to every lost person, this side of hell. We owe Christ to the world, to the least and to the greatest, to the richest and to the worst. Here's the bottom line. We are in debt. To the nations. We we are in debt to the nations. Anthony Pappas says this churches that have lost their heart for missions are living out their final chapter. May that never be said of Calvary Church. Amen? That's why one of the first events that we put on our church calendar every year is the Mission Summit. Let's get it on the calendar. Let's make sure we're all set, team, church. Let's make sure because this is a priority. So if we are in debt to the nations, how do we pay our debt? (laughs) How do we pay our debt to the nations? I want to share with you today five components that I think all of us should consider Not just those who are full-time missionaries, but everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Three of the five components are a part of our missions initiatives. A few years ago, our missions committee established three mission initiatives uh, for the next 10 years that we want to see accomplished. I'll share some of those with you today. But component number one is this. Pray for the church. How do we pay our debt to the nations? We begin by praying for the church. Look at the words that Jesus Christ spoke in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. He says this, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is indeed plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray the Lord of the harvest, check this wording here, to force out and thrust laborers into his harvest. So, before Christ told his disciples to do anything, he told them to pray. He even told them what to pray for. Jesus didn't say to pray for those who are lost. Did you hear that? (laughs) Not yet. I mean, do that. But first of all, we are to pray for the church. We are to pray for each other, you and I. You see, when Jesus looked at the harassed and helpless multitudes, his concern was not that the lost would come to the Father. Instead, his concern was that his followers would not go to the lost. Wow. So the first component in paying uh, our debt to the nations is to pray that someone will go. Pray that God will speak to someone sitting in these seats or another seat somewhere around the world who will take up the mantle, who will heed God's call and go. That is the first thing that we should pray for according to this passage. The multitudes are waiting to hear. And our most urgent need is to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out you and I, Christians into the harvest field. Now, obviously, that can start, that should start right here at home. This is a step that you and I most likely uh, will overlook, and yet the one that is most dangerous for us to ignore. We are a planning, strategizing, implementing people. We sit in meetings for hours and days Uh, doing all this good stuff, very, very important. Yet fulfillment of the Great Commission requires no meetings, no strategizing, just get on your knees and be a praying people, be a praying church. We live in a culture where we gather by the thousands to watch someone kick a ball, dribble a ball, sing a song. What would happen in our land if the church Prayed with that, with this same kind of passion as we do when we watch our team play. What would happen if we spent time before God praying on behalf of the church, the lost, and the needy around the world? 20 years ago, I took a group of students to the country of El Salvador. Um, It was a rough start. Our plane was delayed, we didn't have our luggage a rough start and i learned right away that i was not called to be a jungle missionary not at all (laughs) but one thing i gained from el salvador one thing that i will always remember and never forget is the way the christians in el salvador pray i mean they pray no sissy praying for them they get on their face and they cry out to god On behalf of the church, you and I, on behalf of their country, and guess what? The country of El Salvador is coming to know Jesus Christ. Millions of people uh, have been saved through the ministries, the churches, the missionaries, uh, the ministries of El Salvador. Our missionaries last week to Wellborns had spent seven years there. Michelle is a missionary kid from El Salvador. Amazing things happen. Happen, But they come with a price, and that price is often (coughs) taking the time to pray, putting aside our agenda, our to-do list, and pray. I wonder what would happen in our churches and in our country if the American church would stop trying to fulfill their American dream and get on their knees and pray. Calvary's prayer plan is this. We are wanting to raise up a prayer army here. Very simply, um, we want to have 500 people on our missions prayer task force. We get dozens of prayer requests every week for missionaries. 276 are on this task force right now. We're looking for 500. And a couple times a week, we will email you a couple of prayer requests that you can take before God And pray. I mean, we hear stories every mission summit. I hear all the time a missionary comes and they'll tell us stories about something was going on where they were at. And they got back home and someone said to them, I was praying for you in July. Was something going on? 100% of the time, something was going on. God raised up someone to pray for them. Also, that, that once a month on a Wednesday night, we have Missions Connect. Yeah, I know, a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, you call the church to pray? Are you serious? I'm serious. Once a month, we meet in here and we ask you to come and we pray for the world. We pray for the church. We pray for our missionaries. It is my goal, I know it's a radical goal, that someday every seat in this auditorium will be filled on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock with people praying. If you're interested in being on our prayer team task force, there's one more table left in the atrium. Uh, you can sign up there with your email and we'll, we'll add you to our list. Component number two. This is not profound, okay? So you don't need a seatbelt for this one. <laughs> read the Bible. Wow. Just read the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We have settled far too long for a Bible light, L-I-T-E. We've adopted a Christianity consumed with, with with nice devotional thoughts for the day. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not enough. That's like eating crackers every day. You need more than crackers. You need some steak and a baked potato with sour cream, right? Yeah. And that is, ooh, I'm a little hungry at the moment, okay? <laughs> That is God's Word. We've adopted um, this concept of a little thought here, a little thought there. And then here's the reality. Our brothers and sisters around the world often gather at the risk of their lives to hear God's Word. The risk of their lives. They tear pages out of their Bibles and they tuck it away so they don't get caught amazing. When I was ordained, uh, my wife bought me a Bible to commemorate uh, this milestone in my life. And it wasn't expensive, but it was a very special Bible. And about three years later, I was attending a conference in Washington, D.C., and um, I was checking out of the hotel, and I had a couple books and the Bible on top. And I laid these books in the Bible on the, on the hotel counter when I was checking out. And the hotel clerk was obviously from another country because of the language and so forth. Um, he looked at the stack of books. He looked up at me, and then he looked again. He said, now we're in Washington, D.C., okay, the United States, all right? He said, and he pointed, is that a Bible? And I said, yeah, that's a Bible. And it was like, he looked at it again. He looked up at me. I asked him, do you want the Bible? He said, can I? Can I? So I gave the hotel clerk my ordination Bible. God's word People are dying, dying to get into God's Word. We hold the matchless Word of God in our hands, and it demands a superior position in our lives. We're in this battle, folks. The enemy wants to knock you and I out, and we cannot survive in this battle with just a few devotional thoughts here and there with some crackers. We will not survive. If we're going to survive, we desperately need minds saturated, saturated with God's word. Um, yeah, you know, our Life Challenge guys that were up here last week. I love talking to Martin Hall because in at least one conversation, he always quotes a scripture. Because when you're in Life Challenge, you have to memorize and learn uh, God's word. As we read the Bible, we find out God's passion for the world from cover to cover. You will understand that God is in the missions. It is God's plan for the entire world to know of his love. Component number three, paying our debt to the world. We need to give generously and sacrificially. Psalm 116, verse 17, I will sacrifice A thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. The American church is a very generous church. Calvary, you are a very generous church. But here's my challenge Are we giving sacrificially? Do we give to the point to missions where it hurts a little? Do we give? Out of our excess, our leftovers, and if we don't have any leftovers, we just don't give. I believe God is calling the American church to give sacrificially. We are an affluent people living in an impoverished world. The challenge is not to just give away our excess, but to truly sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving away what it hurts to give. I read older missions books where I hear um, testimonies like this. The modern missions books don't have too many stories like this, where people literally, I, I read a story recently of a, of a, of a dear widow. This was you know, back in the 50s, 60s, who God spoke to her heart to help support a young man going to Bible college somewhere in Africa. She paid for his entire college and had to literally, and I'm not, you know, this is between you. I'm not saying, you, okay, you understand that. But, uh, um, I mean, she lived, she changed her whole lifestyle so that she could she could support this, this young man. Sacrifice is not giving according to ability. It is giving beyond our ability. So, here's the challenge. And uh, I got this concept by... Uh, from a book that I'm reading called Radical. The author says, what if we took a year and set a cap on our lifestyle? Okay. It's gonna get really quiet now. (laughs) Um, What if we sought for the next year to minimize luxuries or withhold the purchase of future luxuries? Now you determine what a luxury is. I won't define that today. But if God can give through you, he'll give it to you. So let me just throw out one idea, okay? And if you don't like this, email Pastor Keith at Kurtz at ToledoCalvary.org. <laughs> He's not here today. <laughs> okay? Here's my, my thought What if we spent less on Halloween this year? According to Scripps Media, Americans this year will spend nine point one. Billion, that's with a B, billion on Halloween, spending 700 million more than last year. That's an average of $86.13 per family. Until recently, Americans gave less money to missions than they spent buying Halloween costumes for their pets. What? <laughs> Seriously? Max and Lowell at our house, we, we love our little pups. We love them. We make sure they're fed and they're groomed and they get their medicine and all their flea stuff. And my, my, my family knows how I feel about this. Every so often, my daughter, TC, likes to tease me. We'll be shopping, you know, and we'll go buy those little clo- clothing items for pets. She'll look up at me. I'll just go. <laughs> Seriously, we spend more money for our pets to put on a Halloween costume than we do in giving to missions. Now, here's a thought. And again, Kate Kurtz at ToledoCalvary.org, all right? <laughs> what if we cut our $86 per family in half? and just spent 40 on Halloween, and we spent 40, we gave that to missions. Let's say 200 families did that. That's $8,600 we could invest into missions, give back uh, to help fulfill the Great Commission. I don't know, just a thought. Calvary's missions giving plan. Let me explain very quickly. We support 158 missionaries. Thank you so very much. This last year, we've done more for our missionaries than we've done in years. They all got a raise. We took on more missionaries, and uh, that happens by you giving. When you see that offering envelope that says missions, we will not take that off our missions envelopes, okay? Uh, When you give online, that helps to support our missionaries. Um, I hope that next year when I get back up here, I can say that we're supporting 200 missionaries and ministries. Wouldn't that be cool? That's our goal, all right? So thank you. Thank you so much for giving. Component number four. Spend some time in another context. Matthew 28, verse 19 says this. Therefore, go. The world's shortest sermon is one word. Let's say that some Sunday, Pastor Chad comes up to speak. And he says, today, here is the message. Go. And he walks off the platform, and we all go home. Ah, uh, uh uh Don't clap now, okay? <laughs> uh, but you know what? That would be enough. That would be enough in a message for you and I, if that's, if that's the message that was, was spoken. Spoken. When we are committed to the go, it brings us together. It is important that we serve, engage, and influence somewhere besides the four corners of our personal world, maybe a car ride away or a plane ride away. If we're going to accomplish the global purpose of God, it will not be primarily through giving money, even though that's very important. It will happen primarily by giving of ourselves, This is what the gospel represents, and this is what the gospel requires. Just this morning, I got a Facebook message from a young man in Albania, Fatian, who I had been in touch with for the last uh, four years um, because I went and and invested in him and shared with him and been praying with him. For each of us, this clearly begins by loving the four one nine. Thank you to Leah Loran, our serve director, who puts that in front of us all the time. Mission starts here in the 419. In light of Jesus' example, our primary impact on the nations will occur in the disciple-making that we do right here around us. 34% of our monthly mission support goes to Toledo and the United States. We believe very strongly in that. Going starts where we live, but it doesn't stop there. I have a firm conviction that every Christian, at least one time in their life, should do a foreign missions trip at some point. Uh, If there are a billion who have never heard the gospel and billions of others who still have not received the gospel, then we have an obligation to go to them. It is clearly the will of God to take the gospel to the nations. When we open our lives to the great commission, God will show us things we have never seen and take us places we have never, ever been. I am so grateful that I stepped out of my fear uh, 25 years ago and began to fly, which I didn't like to do, and begin to travel to other countries, which I was intimidated to do. Um, has changed my life. It has changed my worldview. Calvary's going plan is this. We hope that in the next 10 years, 500 of you will make your uh, way on a short-term missions trip, uh, whether that's through Calvary or or another uh, organization. We're also praying that within the next 10 years, 100 of you will no longer live in the 419. (laughs) You'll pack up your bags because God is speaking to your heart to go and serve somewhere full time around the world. I'm often asked, so, a missions trip, why? Why should I go? Very simply, a missions trip establishes uh, your attitude regarding becoming a world Christian. What is a world Christian? Very simply, a world Christian is someone whose life has been forever impacted as a result of a short-term missions experience. They live differently, they pray differently, they give differently. They are different. We need different people uh, serving God. A world Christian is someone whose heart beats continually for missions. And then component number five and paying our debt to the nations. Intensify your passion for Christ. Intensify your passion for Christ. Psalm 144, verse 2. He is my loving God and my deliverer. I saved this component for last because this is where all the other four components come together and converge. You see, it only makes sense when we are passionately, passionately in love with Christ, we'll pray, we'll read the Bible, we'll give sacrificially, and we'll be willing to take a trip. When we are faithful to the gospel, then our focus and our passion and our delight is always and only in Jesus Christ. There's a hymn that I grew up hearing. And um, I guess it's one of my favorite hymns. I said to my wife, have this one sung at my funeral. <laughs> because it talks about how in love we can be in Jesus. My Jesus, I love thee. Verse 2 says this. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my salvation on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I loved thee, my Jesus, it's now. Here is the challenge. A lack of interest in missions is not caused by an absence of compassion or commitment or by a lack of information. A lack of interest in missions Is not remedied by more shocking stats, even though I threw them out at you today, more gruesome stories, or more emotionally commands to obedience. It is best remedied by intensifying our passion for Christ so that the passions of his heart become the passions that propel our hearts. So forget the stats, forget the stories, forget the pictures. Just fall in love with Jesus. And when you fall in love with him, missions just happens. The praying, the giving, the going, the Bible reading, etc., etc. Missions really can be summed up with one verse. It's a verse that is very familiar. A verse that maybe you memorized for the first time as a child. John 3, 16. For God so loved, who? The world. The world. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not, be, shall not perish, but have eternal life. So today, I want to challenge you with this question. What will your role be in missions? What will your role be in paying the debt to the nations? About 25 years ago at Glendale, our former church, back when we were in the gymnasium having our services, I was sitting on a folding chair. And it was a mission service much like this. And there was a speaker speaking and he was challenging us. And he wanted to, uh, uh, those that felt a call into missions to come up to the front. And, man, I was struggling because I love missions. And I was like, oh, God, is this it? You know? And I literally remember hanging on to the seat <laughs> because I was afraid God was going to kick me out of it and make me go up to the front. I'm holding on, and I'm holding on, I didn't go up. And for days, I felt rotten. God, I just, am I called? Am I called to pack it up and go? What's my role in missions? And God showed me, eventually, Bill, you are fulfilling your role in missions. It's your job, it's your call to challenge the church, to challenge the American church to put aside the American dream and consider something that is more, more abundant, more grander than what we could ever, ever imagine. And so obviously, as a youth pastor for 13 years at Calvary, man, I pushed the kids. You can ask a former student. I mean, they gave thousands of dollars. We traveled around the world. We went into the inner cities of the United States and invested in, 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 our, in, in the mission. So thankful for Calvary Church, which has really taught me what it means to be actively involved in missions. So today, my challenge to you is what will be your role? What is your role so all can hear? Very simply, it's just to be obedient. Pastor Chad has taught us the Plow Principle. As you consider your role in missions, apply apply the, uh, the Plow Principle. P is to pray. L is to listen. Listen. Be quiet and listen. O is to obey. And then W is to watch. And I pray that together as a church, we will watch and see God do amazing things because we are actively involved in pursuing our role in missions. Would you bow your heads with me today and let's pray. And so, God, in the quietness of this hour, I ask that you would begin to speak to our hearts, God. I understand that that speaking will take more than just today, it may take days and weeks. But, God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would raise up a church, an American church, Lord, who is devoted in pursuing the Great Commission, devoted in their role in missions, God. So Lord, help us to pray more, to give more, to get into your word, and to even consider going, Lord. Thank you, God, that you love us so much, you believe in us so much, that you have left this task up to us. So God, help us to pursue you in a loving, passionate way. And as we do, we'll know what our role is in missions. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, and everyone says, amen, amen. Thanks so much for allowing me to share. We're not quite, hang on here now. Um, Come on, this is a mission service. It takes a little time, okay? Um, There are some folks around the room that are standing. I'm so proud of them. Since May, we have been meeting monthly, to make plans to go to the nation of Hungary, Hurricane hurricane Hungary. And a week from tomorrow, we will get on a plane and we'll make our way to Paris and then to Budapest and then drive into Hurricane. And uh, we're looking forward to an incredible missions experience. Um, We have adopted a community, a church there, and we will be serving them for eight days. So we're so grateful. Um, all the support's been raised. Um, someone's already donat- donated the funds for the project. So we're good. We're ready to go. But we need you to pray. We need you to pray. You may not be able to get to everyone today, but I'm going to ask if you would stand right now. And um, and um, I'm going to ask a couple things. Um, When you go to that person, get their name so that you can pray for them for the next three weeks, all right? And then in our service today, we're going to pray. As well, we will have um, a Facebook page uh, called Calvary Church Hungry. You can stay in touch with us uh, while we are away. Thank you for praying. Thank you for being supportive uh, of our missions ministry. Would you find a short-term missionary and lay your hands on them? And then let's take a moment and pray today for one another.
0: Father, we do thank you that in the work of building your kingdom, you've chosen to, to use us, to partner with us. Lord, and we thank you for the privilege that we have of serving you. Lord, we pray for these that are heading out on this trip, Lord, that are heading to Hungary. God, would you give them your strength? Father, would you give them your physical health? Lord, would you help them to know your presence and your closeness? Lord, would you let them know that both their concerns here at home and then their thoughts as they travel, that they're right in the midst of your will and your protection and your grace in the midst of this? Father, we pray for this church in Hurricane Hungary that we are partnering with. Lord, I really do believe that this is a pivotal moment in the life of this church, that this could be a turning point in opening up influence and opportunity for them. So, as we partner together in the midst of this project, as you're opening new doors for them, God, would you allow them to see life change like they've never seen before? Lord, would you work through this team, work in partnership with that church to do amazing things, we pray, as they go? Lord, would you bless them? Would you bless Convoy of Hope Europe, the ministry we're partnering with? Lord, would you use all of this to be at work in our lives? And God, we thank you for the word today, for this message, these five components so that we can do our part so that all can hear. Lord, would you help us to listen to your word and be willing to obey as you work in each one of our lives. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.